Up next, Biz 503, the Portland-centric podcast for startups and small businesses. We believe it, we live it, and there's something about Brand Portland that has taken a meteoric rise in our world. Welcome to Biz 503, the Portland-centric podcast for startups and small businesses. I'm Rebecca Webb, co-founder of Portland Radio Project. And I'm Mike Rogaway, business writer at The Oregonian. Let's say you're a sculptor, or you make furniture, or you just want to do some screen printing in your free time. Maybe you want to start a new business, say building wooden boats, but you live in a tiny studio apartment. What if you could design and sew boutique clothing, but have no equipment or maybe even all the skills? you might be able to use a makerspace. Maybe you know, a makerspace is a collaborative workspace. Often it's in an old industrial building where folks with an idea can find the tools, space, and knowledge to create things. Today, we're getting an update on thriving makerspaces in Portland. This being, after all, one of the spiritual homes of the DIY movement. These are not just spaces. They're actually communities and repositories of knowledge. First, we'd like to start by welcoming in Kelly Roy from ADX. It's a local 14,000-square-foot makerspace in southeast Portland. Kelly, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Start by telling us just a little bit about it. Put us there. Give us a sense of what it's like inside. Okay, sure. Yeah. And actually, we just recently expanded, so we almost doubled in size. So our original space uh, was 14,000 square feet. And so you can just imagine you walk into a warehouse on the central east side and you hear the sounds of table saws and joiners and welding equipment and people are there working together. So um, we have three different opportunities for people to get engaged in the space. You can become a member. So if you already know how to use the tools, then you can get access to tools you otherwise might not be able to afford or have room for in that studio apartment. Um, Or if you've never used tools before, it's been a long time, you can take classes. And with those classes come memberships so you can practice what you're learning. And then if you just like the idea of uh, making things but don't really want to do it yourself, you can hire us to make things for you. So we have an in-house design and fabrication team that also does small batch manufacturing. And give us a sense, are the examples that, that we had typical? Are, what are people making? Are they making boats? Are they making backpacks? What are they making? Yeah, so, um, and then I'll also say that the Portland Apparel Lab is next door. So we do have a, um, an adjacent business that focuses on soft goods. I can talk more about that later. But in the main space of ADX, you'll see um, hobbyists, retired hobbyists working on projects. We have somebody that's pulling wood from the scrap bin and making these amazing wooden spheres. And then we have people who are actually trying to prototype and develop a new product and uh, take that to market. And so we have a pathway through ADX where you can prototype your product using the tools and equipment and then learn the business side and what what that means to actually start and run and scale Mm -hmm. a business within the facility. And because it's all happening in um, the same space where our design and fabrication team is working, you can kind of see what that ramped up production looks like. So when we're making 2,000 tap handles for Frame Brewery, you can see what that production looks like and decide you know, what you want to do with your business and how big you want to grow. It's so cool to hear about it all over again. But really, it's been around for a couple of years now. 
Oh, we've been around uh, for seven years. Seven years already. <laughs> already yeah. And for listeners who don't know, Kelly Roy literally wrote the book, Portland Made. And at that time, it was pretty unusual. I mean, we're seeing that there are a lot of makerspaces now. But tell us about that moment where you had the vision for what this could be. Yeah, it was actually, I just finished writing a book about the food carts called Cartopia, and that was back in 2010. And I had seen how people who were suffering through the recession were uh, becoming very entrepreneurial and starting their own food carts. Uh, they had a recipe from their mother or they were in the restaurant industry and didn't see a kind of a, a way to move up in the restaurant. So they went out and started their own spaces. That's kind of what first kind of sparked it. A lot of um, these small creative entrepreneurs don't necessarily have the business and marketing side of the equation. They have the creative um, drive and the passion and the product idea, but they don't necessarily know how to take that and actually make it happen. Um, so in 2010 is when I kind of first manifested the idea. It, it was from reading an article in the New York Times about a space in Brooklyn called Third Ward. And they're a makerspace, and they had been operating for about seven years. So recession was still happening and still seeing people, you know, trying to come up with their own business ideas, but really not knowing how to make them happen and not really having access to the resources that they need. So I uh, went out hunting for a building, found one that had been vacant for two years in the Central East Side, which is a little different than now. Um, and we started buying different pieces of equipment and getting it. It took us about six months to get it open and started. Well, you talked about doubling in size. Did you ever imagine what would happen to, to that, your concept and makerspaces generally in Portland and around the world? Well, I guess there's a part of me that had a little bit of an inkling. Um, I feel like I do have a pretty good gut when it comes to like trends and things like that. And I definitely am, am good at seeing what the needs are and then figuring out how to give people what they need to be successful. So there was a part of me that knew that it was there was something there. I just didn't know how it was going to go. There's no roadmap for what I was doing. Um, even though there were other makerspaces around the country, they didn't have the same business model that we um, applied and there really is no roadmap. So we're really creating the roadmap for makerspaces. And now we're able to share that with other places around the state and around the country, around the world, who are interested in bringing this kind of community creative hub to their, to their city. What sort of things have, have you enabled? What's come out of you that you think might not have existed otherwise? What are your favorite examples of, hey, look what we were able to do here? Yeah, it's interesting what happens when you put a bunch of creative people from all different backgrounds together under one roof. Um, that was kind of the experiment. What would happen? What would come out of it? One of my favorite examples is um, two members that met. Uh, one was working on his motorcycle, customizing his motorcycle, and the other is this retired gentleman who is pulling scrap um, out of the bend, building these spheres. And they got to know each other. And it turned out that Charlie, who makes the spheres, um, was a photographer during the Vietnam War and had brought back 2,000 photographs that had never been seen before, you know, negatives. And um, so Chris, who was working on his motorcycle, um, he is a photographer, and so he worked with Charlie to get all of those negatives digitized. And as he was viewing the photographs, um, realized these were like National Geographic quality uh, photos, that Charlie really had something there that otherwise nobody would have known about. 
So um, I, I really like those kinds of surprises that don't necessarily have um, anything specific to do with the tools in the space, but more of those community connections and really getting to know each other. Yeah, they're, they're bringing people together who otherwise would never have met. Yeah, and I just feel like that's really important right now with all the um, the technology and kind of all the, you know, just kind of disruption going on in the world. I think that, you know, human connection, getting to know people, really understanding who people are and uh, what their backgrounds are is, is really for me, it brings me a lot of joy. Let's bring in now John Connor from Made Here PDX. It's it's the first store devoted entirely to Portland-made products. John, welcome. Thanks for having me. Tell us a little bit about your shop, how it works, wh where things come from that end up there. Yeah, thanks. So our flagship store is located at uh, 10th and Cooch in the Pearl District, right across from Powell's Books. It's about 3,800 square feet of uh, merchandised space. We intentionally bring in the widest possible range of products, the widest possible range of prices to really showcase what Portland is making to the wider community, to Portlanders, to visitors from outside the city, from outside the state, from outside the country. And it's been it's been really fun over the last three years. We just celebrated our third anniversary a couple of days ago. Congratulations. Thank you very much. And we, we opened our second store over the summer on uh, North Mississippi. And next week, uh, we're very excited to open our third store, which will be in the downtown Hilton. Breaking news. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's going really well. It's been really fun to partner with Kelly and with other uh, community folks here in Portland and to find out more about the products and the people that are making them. I guess at some point, it's obvious that there would need to be another end to that retail experience. Right. But you had to, at some point, have had the idea, wow, maybe there was a store. Tell us about that moment. Yeah. So there were sort of two things happening for me at the same time as a as a Portlander, as somebody who, you know, planning to live here a long time, I really wanted to support local um, in my gift giving and in, you know, my day-to-day -day life. And I was finding, uh, you know, some things here, some things there, but I wasn't finding one place where I could go to, to, to get a wide range of products. So on the personal side, I wanted that. On a business side, um, I was, uh, as Kelly mentioned a few minutes ago, you know, I was, uh, I was looking for my next opportunity, shall we say, and uh, retail occurred to me as a place to collect a wide range of products. I had become friends with some folks that were starting businesses, taking that risk, having that courage to get out there and do some things for themselves. And I thought, well, they could really use a friendly but professional retail partner to help them get launched into the marketplace. And what do people find on your shelves? Describe what you're selling. Yeah. What's popular? Well, we, you know, again, that range. I mean, we've got um, everything from salt and soap to surfboards and a sea kayak. We've got bikes, we've got jewelry, we've got a huge range of products really intentionally. And the prices are a very large range too, 75 cents to I think our top of the line item right now is 6,000. Is your inventory dependably, you know, in there or, yes. or does it depend on what people make? It does depend a little bit on what people make, but we replenish frequently. I mean, we, we often end up selling at a faster rate than a maker is expecting. And so that's where- well, That's our, a good problem to have, right? It's better <laughs> than the opposite, I'll tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> So tell us about the new store. Uh, it's going to be a little different because it's inside the Hilton, you said. Yeah, it's in the downtown Hilton lobby. It's about 200 square feet. So the, the downtown Hilton, most folks may not know this, is the second largest conference space in the state. Hmm. So we've got a lot of folks who come in for a three-day conference, let's say, and don't really have a chance to get out and explore the city because they're booked most of the time. So I think they'll really appreciate a chance to 
sort of get a, a small taste for what Portland's really like. And then we have your typical Hilton uh, guests who come through just for a visit to Portland and I think they're going to be thrilled to have a little piece of it. But with that small amount of space, you're going to really have to pare down the offerings. How right. do you do that? Yeah. Well, you know, with three years of experience, we have a really good handle on what our best sellers are and what we also want to put in front of folks to really kind of um, tweak their interests, shall we say. All right. Well, when it comes to makerspaces, there is a new kid on the block. Well, newish. We're going to meet Bruce Cracky from Green Anchors right after a short break. Support for Biz 503 comes from acreative.agency, specializing in marketing, automation, and web development. For more, go to acreative.agency. Welcome back to Biz 503. It's all about makerspaces today. We just spoke with Kelly Roy from ADX and John Connor of Made Here PDX. Now let's find out what's new in innovative makerspaces. Bruce Cracky is here from Green Anchors, which calls itself an eco-industrial park. Welcome, Bruce. Hey, thank you very much. It's good to be here. And what exactly is an eco-industrial park? Um, all the tenants there have the common belief and understanding and practice that eco-sustainability, environmental cleanup, it's an old brownfield that was a shipyard in World War II that we're cleaning up out there. There's seven acres on the Willamette, directly next to Cathedral Park. Um, and so Excellent. there's a, it's marked by a 1946 naval tug then, it's named Captain Bob, um, that was finished right at the end of World War II, so it didn't serve. You might bump into a fire engine or two when you're there. Um, cool. What's the kind of the difference? You know, you've heard Kelly describe ADX and the kinds of things that are made there. So I get the sense that you have some larger, more industrial kinds of operations going on out there. What Give us an example. Oh, you know, there's tiny homes being built there all the time so people can rent a, a space and some tool equipment to build. So there's a half dozen in process at any given time. People also finish off airstreams. There's shipping containers that are being upgraded and there's a beekeeper now. A beekeeper. Uh, we've got bees and the best uh, elderberry syrup I've ever tasted. Yeah, honey, a couple of weeks ago. Um, there's metal sculptors there. That's quite a variety. Everything oh. from agriculture to pure industry, it I sounds just, like. I just get, get going here. So, yeah, and uh, there's music out there, quite a bit of that, and uh, just a, a commitment to, to cleaning the earth up. And, um, yeah. I was actually going to ask you about that with it being a brownfield, or have there been any concerns, or what kind of steps did you have to take to make it into something that was uh, inhabitable? I'm going to take a very short detour just to explain um, the spaces is owned and operated uh, by two cousins that are like mine, like elk and like risk tolerance and like commitments and, and all that very, very different in the way they are in the world. But there's a, a very tightly knit fabric there of people that are all of the same mind. And the circle is getting, it seems like it's getting tighter, but, but, but bigger, but tighter, if that makes sense. That's something we heard about earlier with ADX. The sense of community is oh. really important. How are people finding you? Where, where are you drawing from? How uh, well, so, um, I think capacity is pretty full right now. They're always willing to talk to people about space, but um, I am relatively new to the Green Anchors family. I've been going out there for a couple of years. So anyway, I defer to those guys. Yeah, well, how'd history. you find them? Um, through a guy who's involved with uh, Jesse Schwartz, who's involved with Columbia Clearwater. He's a professor. I call him a fish mathematician. He does studies uh, for a lot of the native tribes and their fisheries all over Oregon and Washington. He, he knows his fish. Uh, 
And so met through him and helped, helped out with the music festival the last couple of years. We, we've had the Posies out there twice now. They were out last May and, and, and November. Uh, they did what's called a pop-up show and, and stayed on Captain Bob the Navy tug, which is cool. So it's a favorite spot of theirs now. So what is the green? Tell us a little bit Acres. more about the green ethic. Okay, have you guys, have, if you pull up the website, you'll see the, the logo is, um, well, it's hard for me to describe. Have you guys seen it? It's Yeah, I don't know why I remembered it as a forest, but it's basically sun corona with an anchor. Thank you very much. <laughs> and, and that is on a saw blade, on a, a mill saw blade, a real one, like with jagged edges at the entrance, and it's lit up at night. It's really cool. And so the anchor has roots. That's symbolic. Yeah, yeah. Uh, forgive me, I, I want to get a better sense of the, the space itself. Is mm. it outdoor space? Oh, yeah, seven anchors. Do you have it up on the screen, Rebecca? Could mm -hmm. we share, share with Mike? So seven anchors on the one limit, and you've got stuff outside. We Wyden Kennedy, I believe, I'm allowed to say that. Well, one of the local firms had a Christmas party on Captain Bob and, 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 and last year. On the boat there? There's, yeah, there's been music video shot out there. Um, I sense that there's an awful lot besides business going on out there. <laughs> yeah, they, so, yeah, yeah, we'd love to have you guys out. Um, uh, I wanted to also mention that there's 35 tenants there. The guy that has the bees makes honey. He does tours. Um, I would encourage you guys to go to the Green Acres website, Facebook page, either it's Green Acres PDX, I believe. They have a lot of stuff going on. And so it's not necessarily updated, but there's enough there for you guys to get a sense and also to get a hold of folks that can fill you in more on what's going on and, and come out for a visit. It's right next to Cathedral Park. Um, it's open during the daytime, usually even on weekends. Well, excellent. Hey, listen, after a break, we're going to bring back Kelly Roy of ADX and John Connor of Made Here PDX. Mm -hmm. Bruce, can you stick around too? Yep. Thanks to acreative.agency, specializing in marketing, automation, and web development. For more, go to acreative.agency. Welcome back to Biz 503. We're here with our makerspace experts, Kelly Roy from ADX, John Connor from Made Here PDX, and Bruce Cracky from Green Anchors. We're getting an update on the vibrant makerspaces, part of the maker movement in Portland. And Kelly, I'm going to ask you to take this one because we heard from Bruce about Green Anchors. And are there others in, in Portland in our midst, other, you know, sort of renditions of the thing that you started at ADX? Oh, my goodness, yes. And I certainly didn't start this. Don't let me uh, take any credit for that. Oh, come on. Uh, things have, I mean, Portland is, has been a creative place for, you know, since its very inception. I mean, as I say in the book, you know, manufacturing and making things is very much a part of our DNA. So um, I just recognized, you know, there's this recession going on. And I did notice that there were lots of different collectives, woodworkers sharing space because they all need the same tools, ceramicists, photographers, architects, um, artists. So there are um, millions of creative spaces around Portland and around the region. And I think it's really important that um, people can find the right space that fits their needs. So somebody who needs a large space to redo a shipping container is going to need green anchors. Um, if they want to come in and, um, you know, make a consumer product that they're going to launch out into the market and hopefully get into Made Here PDX, mm. then they can come to ADX and we can help guide them along that path. So Portland is very lucky, and I think this is why people from around the country look to Portland, is that we have this incredibly creative and incredibly connected and very collaborative approach to the maker movement. Kelly Bruce, can you give us a sense, you know, what sort of outlay are you looking at? If you're doing this not for an artistic purpose, but you want to make something to sell, what's it going to cost for a membership, for example, 
And then, John, what do you think, you know, people can expect for, what's it take to get yourself started from a retail side? Well, I can tell you that, you know, certainly if you're, if you are going to be prototyping and developing out a product, coming to ADX and doing it is going to be the lowest risk Mm -hmm. and the least cost uh, to, you know, so to remove that barrier to entry. So, you know, to get your own space and to get your own tools is very expensive, but you can come in and mess with your idea prototype it, figure out what you really want to do. We definitely have people come in thinking they want to start a business out of their craft and quickly learn that it's more a creative outlet for them and that the business side really ruins it for them. So, and then there are others that come in and they just, you know, go gangbusters and are ready to jump in and launch and start their own manufacturing company. And John is definitely a critical component of helping people figure out where they want to be on that spectrum because moving into retail is a very unique, um, and you have to be prepared. You can't just do it. So I'll, I'll let John talk to that piece. Yeah, John, what are the clues that Thanks, people Kevin. should be looking for whether if they have a, a business opportunity here? Right. Um, well, on the maker side, I think they've got to be ready to you know, meet a production demand. I was saying a few minutes ago, oftentimes we end up selling much faster than folks think. So there's that piece of it. They have to understand pricing in order to make a living themselves but then in order to also offer something at an approachable price point. On the retail side, a lot of folks think that it's as simple as putting a product on a shelf, but it's really not. It's its own animal. It's its own business. You have to have experience in that world. And then one of the things that we really offer to our vendors is the ability to be in a premium location in the Pearl District where rents are very high um, in a way that doesn't require a a tremendous commitment to a lease and to have all that capital up front that a commercial landlord is going to want to see. But not everybody's going to make the cut, right? My preference is to sit down and meet with them and say, we're seeing this, we're seeing that. Let's talk again if, after you've had a chance to review. I really enjoy the process of meeting with somebody before it comes to market to have a chance to lend them my sort of brain or my experience or that of our team to say, maybe try this or try that, and then we think it would fit. So I'm always trying to find a way to make it work as opposed to saying no. John, you're, you're going into the Hilton uh, right. this fall. Who are your customers? Are they Portland people who have, you know, specific products in mind who like buying local? Are they people visiting? It's pretty much everybody. It really depends a little bit on the time of the year, more than a little bit, a lot bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, this this period of the year when holiday gift buying is, of course, increasing, a lot of our clientele is local. In the summertime, when we have so many visitors, um, that foot traffic gets outweighed by the sheer quantity of folks that are coming to visit Portland. Portland's on the map, not only as a place to visit because of its natural beauty, but because of the maker community. People want to come here and experience this culture that we have that Kelly's been such a big part of that I'm now contributing to and that um, our other friend here is also involved with. Green Acres, yes. Since we're talking about the holidays, how important is the holiday season to your bottom line? Yeah, I think, I mean, for retail in general, it's 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 quite significant. Without going into anything that's too proprietary, it's, it's a significant chunk of any retailer's year. And so much so that you really sort of um, end up prepping all year for it in a certain sense. So we're ramping up. We're getting ready to go. It's going to be really fun for the next eight weeks. Kelly, Bruce, I'm curious if you could break down for me sort of the mix of the people in your space. How many of them are doing it for an artistic outlet, for a creative outlet? How many of them really have a hope of creating a business? 
Um, I think at ADX, it's probably oh, about 60-40 business versus uh, creative outlet. Mm-hmm. Um, and that varies throughout the year. You asked earlier about our memberships. We have a wide variety of membership levels. So people can join at just a, a general membership to get to know the space and explore what the offerings are there. And then we have a business track where if you know you're trying to prototype and start a product, you can come in and get a business membership and we kind of hold your hand through that process. Um, you know, but we've had a straight razor company, Portland Straight Razor came out of ADX and now they're going gangbusters. They have their own space over in Southwest and they have a shave shop. And, you know, we really try to help businesses that are just at those beginning stages uh, get off the ground. And then our new space is a pro space, and that has businesses that are at that next level. They get a little bit more space. We're weaning them off the shared tools, uh, pointing them to access to capital and other things for growing their businesses so that they can buy their own tools, eventually get their own space, and grow into a manufacturing company. So we really try to help people find that path through ADX. Um, and be where they want to be, whether it's an artist or a business. So you're really making that journey with them. And Bruce, what is the ratio of people who are in it for the business versus in it for the hobby um, aspect? My depth of knowledge of the folks I know, maybe two thirds, uh, some people might be not generating the type of uh, revenue that would make it like their primary focus. Um, But I can't really speak to that. I know that they're all creatives. Um, and we have metal sculptors that do cold forge metal. It's a father's son named Eric and Rory. And our newest tenant is their next door neighbor in Linton. His name's Ivan. Ivan does the big dragons at What's the Fest and Burning Man. I just got invited oh. to go down to Burning Man with them next year. Wow. So, yeah. You know, that beautiful. actually is a great prelude to my next question, which is yeah. I really want you to talk about that human nature aspect, yeah. Kelly, because we're talking about this as though it's something really new and innovative in a way, at least over several years. Yeah. But isn't it also sort of a return to human nature? It definitely is. I think it's, you know, Portland is certainly uniquely positioned because I feel like people who are drawn here are those types of people. They like working alongside each other. They like supporting um, their, you know, their neighbors and their friends when they're starting new endeavors. Um, But it certainly does feel like a coming back to some degree. Um, But now we have new technologies. you know, manufacturing looks very different now than it did um, back in the 1900s. Um, so it's oftentimes, I think, when I use the term manufacturing, it sounds like a dirty word. <laughs> um, so I don't know. We've been playing around with ideas like craftufacturing or, you know, makers. You know, it's just kind of a new language for something that's always been here. Um, and it really does speak to people, you know, coming together as a community to work together um, to make cool and interesting things happen. I'm, I'm curious, you know, Portland is, is thriving economically right now, but there's a downside to that and that it's made all kinds of things more expensive, for instance, space. Uh, and I'm sure, John, you feel that acutely in the spaces you lease. And yet, You've both grown recently, and I'm curious, is that just a signal of how big the demand is for Portland right now, that this is a market that can continue to expand even as real estate costs rise? Well, I mean, sure, we can both speak, given that we're both expanding. I mean, my rent at my new place is about three times what it was when I leased back in 2011. So, But I also am a business person, and so part of doing a business plan and doing your projections is you know, trying to predict what's happening in the marketplace. And that's another thing that we try to help our 
um, businesses understand is you can't control the market when it comes to real estate. So you just need to put that in your budget and you're going to have to figure out what you have to do for sales in order to, you know, to keep growing. So it's definitely, but that's what I love is that kind of creative noodling around business. These are the realities. How do I keep it going? What are the creative things that we need to do that I need to do with my team in order to um, be part of the real world, the real business world, and to continue to expand and grow in a way that feels sustainable for us? And John, you, you've you've evidently found enough demand that you've added a second and now a third location. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a question as sort of Kelly was alluding to a mo moment ago of, going out and finding the opportunity that you need to find in order to continue to do what you want to do. Before we go, let's just talk about some future applications of these kinds of maker spaces, because I know that educational institutions, for example, are starting to incorporate more and more of that with the kids. And I think you said something about uh, Japanese language services being offered. Well, so as John said, with tourism, tourism is a huge part of our city and people are coming here to be part of the maker movement. Um, they can buy goods at Made Here PDX at, um, or they can also come to ADX and have an experience uh, with a day of building. So we do a lot with tourists. They come through and they have this is the thing in tourism now. You want to have an experience. And so they can come in and make something at ADX. So that's certainly something we're doing more of. Um, we're also doing more workforce training with Impact Northwest and Oregon Tradeswomen. So trying to help people in our community get skilled up so that they can get access to the jobs that are out there in the world. And yeah, I think there's just a ongoing, um, just very strong interest in Portland and more and more people moving here. So as people move here, you know, being able to give them a place to come and be creative. Love it. There's your update on Makerspaces. Thank you so much for joining us for Biz 503 today. Special thanks to our guests, John Connor of Made Here PDX, Kelly Roy of ADX, and Bruce Cracky of Green Acres. Really great having you in the studio. Thanks very Thank much for you. having me. Thanks, everyone. Thanks awesome. so much for being with us hey, and have. I want to give a plug for you guys because all I've been listening to the last six months since I found you is 991. Wow. I, guess what? I called in and won a free hour of legal counsel on your show. Oh, <laughs> it was that me. was you. I didn't cash in yet, so I want to talk to you all about that. Thank you so much for being with us and have a great weekend. Thank you. Thanks, Thank you. Rebecca. Thanks, Mike. Thanks.